Brother Andrew, can you come and pray for this man of God? He's going to have a special anointing to bless us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for, for Mark, yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we um, love what you're doing in his life. And um, Holy Spirit, yeah. Come. Fill him afresh now. And, um, Lord, yeah, we want to be blessed by um, the words that he speaks to us. And um, we um, just delight in hearing from you and trust that, um, Father God, that you'll have uh, some fantastic things to hear, uh, that we have some fantastic things to hear from him. We pray, Lord, that you just bless him now in Jesus' name and, um, yeah, fill him afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Thank you very much for your support. Much appreciated. It's funny because at the beginning of the year, Phil mentioned to me about preaching. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Knowing it was a, a long way off. <laughs> then a few weeks ago, I was looking at the, uh, the rotor and my name was there. All of a sudden... I started changing my mind. I tried to think of every reason possible not to do this. And in fact, I think I was ready to back out, but the Lord confirmed to me that he wanted me to do this. Let's just say that there was a war raging in my mind. So I thought I'd better start asking the Lord for a word. You've asked me to do this, Lord. You better give me the stuff to do it. A whole week passed, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Into the second week by now. The week was passing. I was starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. The blood pressure was starting to rise. <laughs> and I was becoming a little bit agitated, to say the least. My prayers were becoming more and more fervent as the week went on. Stuff was coming to the surface that wasn't very pretty. After an uncomfortable weekend, I was driving to work on a Monday morning and right there in the car, God spoke to me. And he told me what to bring today, very clearly. Our God has a wonderful, wonderful sense of humour. Do you not agree? He told me to talk today on waiting on God. He certainly had me waiting. Waiting. Who actually enjoys waiting? Who does? I don't see many hands. Because I tell you, it's like suffering, or even punishment at times. That's what it can feel like, right? Or is that just me? There are a few seasons in our life that are more difficult than the ones that make us wait. We can feel out of control, helpless, alone, or even abandoned at times. In these times, prayer is often difficult as we wait for an answer from God who seems silent and sometimes even asleep. In Mark 4, verse 38, Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm. 
And the disciples were frantically trying to wake him up. Lord, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? I can just picture them now. Really? You're going to sleep right now, Lord? Hello? We need you. Does that sound familiar? As we wait for an answer in the middle of a storm? That was certainly me a few weeks back. Our Lord wakes up. He rebukes the storm and the disciples for their lack of faith in the one they were with. Everything became calm. Everything became still in an instant. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? I've stolen this from John Ortberg because I think he sums this up perfectly. Waiting on the Lord is a confident, disciplined, expectant, active and sometimes a painful clinging to God. Waiting on the Lord is the continual daily decision to say, God, I trust you and I will obey you even though the circumstances in my life are not turning out the way that I want them to. I'm betting everything on you, God, and there is no plan B. That is waiting on the Lord and that is the hardest work of hope. God assures us over and over again in the word to wait. In Psalm 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Then further on down, it says, Wait for the Lord, keep to his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Abraham, at the age of 75, had to wait 25 years to become the father of Isaac, the promise from God. God told Israel, his people, that they would leave the slavery of Egypt and be independent, but they had to wait 400 years. God told Moses he would lead the people to the promised land, but they had to go through the wilderness and wait 40 years. All of a sudden, my week or two is starting to shrink. <laughs> when he did come, he was only recognised by a few. In the New Testament, Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father, the glorious Holy Spirit. Now imagine missing that. Well, apparently, some did. We know in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus appeared to 500 of his followers at one time. But on the day of Pentecost, there was only 120. What happened to the other 380? Did they refuse to wait as Jesus told them to? Then there was Mary and Martha who waited for Jesus to show up and heal their brother, Lazarus. When Jesus finally did arrive, he was accused of taking too long. We are waiting every single day for our salvation to be complete. We are waiting for the return of Jesus. We all have to wait at some times in our lives. There's the little ones in the waiting room, in the dentist or the doctor's surgery, the queuing in the supermarket, the car parks at Christmas. You want to do a bit of shopping? Forget about it if you think you're driving somewhere. And then there's the stuck in the traffic on the M25 again. Now, I can assure you that takes absolute chunks out of you. And even less than that, there's waiting for someone to pick you up who's running a little bit late. And you're pacing up and down, looking at your watch constantly. I think I've worn many a front room carpet out, pacing up and down while I'm waiting for people. Then there's the more important ones like your job, your career, of course, where to live, what area, what church to go to, 
who to marry, to spend the rest of your life with. These are all important decisions that we do not want to make without God. We all know what happened to King Saul when he wouldn't wait for Samuel to return. And he went ahead and offered the sacrifices without him. At that point, things fell apart for Saul. That was the beginning of his downfall. We can miss out. We can even lose what God has for us when we do not wait for him. Now that is a scary thought. God commanded his people to wait on him 43 times in the Old Testament. He doesn't tell us to wait for fun. And as usual with God, it comes with a promise. In Proverbs 8, 34, it says, Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my door, waiting at my doorway. In Isaiah 30, 18, it says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Isaiah 64, 4, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. God promises he works for those who wait for him. In Isaiah 40, 30, 31, we know this verse very well because we sing this an awful lot. I think this is Vinny's favourite song as it goes. It says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Do we see the promise here? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like an eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not get faint. Is that a promise or what? Those who wait on him, he will renew their strength. That's supernatural strength. I'm not talking about muscles. I'm talking about strength in the Lord. As we wait for him, he will lift them up on wings like an eagle. They will not get weak. They will not get weary. If you want to take off with the Lord, you better be prepared to wait. King David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that had learned to wait throughout his life. He had to spend years tending the sheep's as God prepared him for battle against Goliath. He spent 15 years waiting to be the king of Judah after his anointing from Samuel. It took him another seven before he became the king of Israel. Most of that time he'd spent out in the wilderness where he had the opportunity to speed things up a little bit by taking Saul's life in the cave. But he was obedient to God and refused to harm God's anointed one. He chose to wait on God's timing and not David's. David had learned to wait on God and we see this in the Psalms. In Psalm 5.3, he tells us to wait expectantly. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and I wait expectantly. He expects. In Psalm 41, he tells us to wait patiently. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and heard my cry. In Psalm 135, he tells us to wait quietly and still. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. It even goes on in verse 6 to say, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for morning. I love that. More than watchmen wait for morning. This man was a champion waiter. He was a gold medalist in waiting. 
He knew how to wait on God. We can learn from David. We can learn from the Psalms. The three things we can take out of it. Number one, we should wait expectantly. God will show up when we wait for him. We should wait patiently with a good attitude. Three, we should be quiet and still and not move without him, as Moses refused to move without him. Why? Why does God want us to wait so much? That's a very good question, isn't it? It's not because he loves to see us suffer or struggle. I know it can feel like it at times, but God is a good father and he never, ever sets us up to fail, but only to grow. I believe that there are two types of people. I believe there are doers and there are ponderers. I believe the doers are on the back foot with waiting already because they just want to get things done. They want to run from A to B and they want to just rush on to the next thing. Whereas the ponderer likes to think, likes to sit back and assess the situation. See, I'm a doer. And this is why I know God's got a great sense of humour because my wife is a ponderer. (laughs) And at times it can drive me bonkers. (laughs) But together we make a fantastic team. I've picked out five reasons why God makes us wait and there's plenty more. Every one of them is for our benefit for our benefit, in amongst that suffering. Number one, building our faith and our trust in him. Waiting is part of hope and hope is part of faith. I'm going to say that again. Waiting is part of hope and hope is very much part of faith. A definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. That sounds very much like waiting to me. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, we can replace hope with wait. And then it says, faith is the confidence that what we wait for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Faith is very, very much involved when we wait. And we know that faith is the currency in the kingdom. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For all who come to God must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Number two, patience. 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 Patience is one of the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. For me, This is one of the areas where I struggle the most. By God's grace, he is helping me and he is teaching me to grow in the fruit of patience in a world where patience seems to be scarce. We live in a world with a a microwave mentality. We have everything at the touch of a button. I found out just the other day that I don't even have to type a a question into Google anymore. I can talk to the thing. It's like, what? Things are moving on so quickly. We don't have to wait for nothing anymore. Years ago, you would have to save for a car. And I use a car as an example. You would have to save up for it before you receive it. Now you can drive off the forecourt the next day. I think we lose something by skipping the waiting. We lose a part of hope and patience. In Romans 8, 25, it says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, 
we must wait patiently and confidently. We see God's word working in a worldly sense. Waiting with a good, patient attitude is vital for God to complete the work he's doing you, doing in you. In Hebrews 6.15 it says, And after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Does that mean if he didn't wait patiently, he would have lost what he was waiting for? I don't know. But waiting with a bad attitude, a lack of patience can hinder and it can also delay what the Lord has for you. I believe that we can only grow with the right attitude. When we patiently and expectantly wait on God in the midst of horrible or difficult circumstances, suddenly God smashes through. In Acts 16, we know the story of Paul and Silas who've been lied about, stripped, publicly beaten with wooden rods and thrown into jail. They refused to be a slave to their circumstances and they chose to worship God right there in jail. They waited expectantly for his deliverance. God honoured their faith and attitude by sending an earthquake and smashing open the prison doors. And on top of that, the jailer and his household get saved. That is the power of God as we trust, waiting patiently with a good attitude that God will come through. Number three, submission. Submission is a confident humility that what what God has for you is worth waiting for. Submission is a confident humility that what God has for you is worth waiting for. To wait for something is to recognise that I am not the one in control. That I am not the one calling the shots. The timing is not up to me. Waiting reminds us that we're not in charge. Prayer is a vital part of submission. Constantly speaking to God, constantly in touch with him. We turn back to David again in the Psalms. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Why? I believe that part of that was his openness, his honesty and his vulnerability. David would pour his heart out to God. We see in Psalm 22, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, every day, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Is that honesty? Then in the next Psalm 23, it starts off with, The Lord is my shepherd. He gives me everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He restores my soul. What happened? What happened between 22 and 23? This is a different man, surely. I'd say the Lord heard him. I'd say the Lord met his needs. God wants to hear the truth. Not what we think he wants us to hear. As we open up to God, it's been spoken about this morning, he opens up to us. As we make ourselves vulnerable, that is submission. 
Number four, character. What God does in us while we wait is just as important as what it is we're waiting for. I love that. What God does in us while we wait is just as important as what we're waiting for. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. The 25 years that Abraham waited was a process. God was preparing him for the promise. The years David spent in the wilderness, tending the sheep, was a process. God was preparing him. The years he spent waiting to be king was a process. God was preparing him, building his character, his dependence on God. In Romans 5, 3 to 4, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. In amongst the suffering of waiting, God is developing an endurance in us and is strengthening our character. God is constantly changing and transforming us to be more like Jesus every single day, but only if we allow him to. And strengthening our character is very, very much part of that. Number five, intimacy. As we learn to wait and seek the Lord, we become more intimate and dependent on him. As we wait, he is waiting with us. I know it don't feel like it at times, but he is. As we wait, we are surrendering control and growing in trust in God. The more time we spend seeking him on what we're waiting for, the more time we spend with him. And the more time we spend with him, the more we become like him. I'm just going to, I'm going to wrap this up now. Let's, yeah, let's try, let's try. Let's try to remember next time we're waiting or even if we're waiting for something now. What we are waiting for is not, it is not more important than what happens to us while we're waiting. The one that we wait for will be worth the wait. He will. Amen. Thank you. Who are you?